Welcome to the Inside in Indian Country podcast, your premier source of accounting and business discussions affecting Indian Country. Presented by REDW. Hey, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you decide to download and listen to this. Thank you for uh, joining us today on Inside in Indian Country. And today we're going to be talking with Paul Madrid with our uh, RDW's Wealth Management Group. And uh, he and his group issued a an article uh, around April 10th of 2023 regarding top five economic developments and wealth management considerations. And we're going to you know talk today a little more around that and maybe drill down a little more on, on some of those concepts, what you as a travel decision maker or, or even those that are just listening on a podcast can have a better understanding of you know what what uh, Paul and his team were, were talking about. So, hey, good afternoon, Paul. How you doing? Hey. Good afternoon, Wes. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. Everything that's going on in the markets today, and I'm pretty sure that uh, you know you're 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 uh, constantly bombarded with questions. So I definitely appreciate your time today. Yeah, of course. I I can talk about this stuff all day long. So so it's good. Uh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So I'm not really, if you will, an investment guy. If you will, like I, you know, I I come from a background of audit and insurance, so obviously I, I see a lot of the financial information. But looking prospectively, understanding asset allocation and how the economy can affect a certain organization and such moving forward, that's really what you guys do in, in your group. Now, just learn based on your article. What should tribes and tribal organizations prepare for in the second half of 2023? Good question. It's been um, a wild ride so far. Uh, the first half, uh, obviously, a lot of inflation uh, coming through, and, and that's really been for the past year and a half, almost two years now. Um, but uh, the second half, we're going to see, I would say, a, a slowdown in inflation. It's still going to be rising, um, but just some other consideration, maybe maybe uh, the workforce is going to start to shrink. In fact, uh, the jobs number that just came out about a week and a half ago is starting to show some slowdown. Uh, so tribes just prepare for uh, one, there, there's going to be a slowdown in just development and economic growth and, and so forth. And that's really uh, an issue coming from the Fed raising rates or trying to slow down the economy, really trying to slow down inflation. Uh, but but not to forget about inflation. Inflation is still going to be high, higher than normal. In fact, uh, we we had peak inflation about a year ago. I've topped out a little over 9%, uh, but it's still around 5% today. Uh, so if you think about just two years ago, inflation was around 2 to 3%. So this is almost double, more than double than what we're used to. In fact, uh, more than double what, when, than what the Fed's trying to get. The Fed's trying to get us back down to 2%. So they're going to continue to at least keep rates high, at least in the short run, until there's a slowdown in the economy and a slowdown in inflation. They are slowing it down, so that's a good thing. So they're it's actually working. Uh, but just keep in mind, the second half of the year is probably going to be a little more rockier. I would say with the um, with just the the economic growth and just just development going forward, uh, mostly because hey, things are starting to slow down. We're starting to see. Uh, well, actually, we have been seeing the manufacturing sector slow down, but the service sector is starting to slow uh, slow down as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good good point. <laughs> just, I guess, I could kind of take it from personal experience. You know, obviously, um, we just celebrated my my uh, my son's thirteenth birthday this past weekend, and you know, 
Uh, he, I don't know what is this guy. He likes to go to Top Golf, so we, we we went over there, right? And so it's been a while, you know. So it's been a while. And I remember, you know, previously we paid, man, you know, just it's a reasonable amount for going there. And then now I got the bill this past week. Like holy smokes, <laughs> you know, yeah. man. It's like, and then I, I was just kind of, I, I, you know, obviously we we're, we're dealing with uh, having to capture value for our services and all that good stuff. So I understand it. I just was like, wow, man, that's, 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 uh, that's be big. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the people that are listening today are probably feeling that as well from their vendors, right? You know, the vendors are probably coming to them and saying, yeah, I know that we need to, we need to keep our salaries and to keep them, you know, within market, keep our people. So we need to increase our prices and, and so forth, you know? So, um, you know, we, if so, generally for you know some some organizations that we work with now, they're kind of in the budgeting season, right? So they're starting to think about 2024 and moving forward. So, do, would there be maybe uh, a, a consideration for them for like increasing salaries and whatnot moving forward, or would would, would that would that be something they should consider, or um, maybe even that, like what kind of opportunities would they see, you know, coming through it for, uh, if you will, quote unquote recession, not that there's one been announced, but you know, you know, so forth. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I would expect, uh, to, to raise, raise, expect that your, your cost uh, of, of whatever it is, wages or services to, to rise, uh, with, with inflation, as you mentioned, going to top golf and and experiencing a, a sharp increase in prices. I just realized that yesterday we were at a restaurant and thinking, wow, this is $20 a person. That, that's, that's not for breakfast. You know, it's a, it's a lot. So definitely inflation is, is here and it's, start, it's still moving, but it's not, not back to where we were. Um, so for them as, as tribes are, or just any organization as you're budgeting for the next fiscal year, just consider a budget on the high end especially on projects. I, I was working with the tribe uh, about a month ago and, and he was explaining that, Hey, I have to budget higher as for this next fiscal year, because what I had originally budgeted for this big project we wanted to do is, is up almost 10% than what we had thought. So really giving them some wiggle room on the, on the budget that they're creating and maybe increasing around five to 10% um, just to have some flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other kind of unique thing I think that we've seen for not all tribes, but most tribes, you know, obviously was the influx of cash that has come through and a lot of tribes are, you know, still kind of sitting on because of the ARPA funding, ARP funding that they receive mm-hmm. or any other increase in federal funding. So with that being said, what's going to be anticipated for the second half of the year, maybe moving forward, what are some... I guess opportunities for them, you know, with with that that specific asset, if you will, especially with with cash or cash equivalents and their money market accounts and whatnot. Like, what are what are some things that maybe they should be thinking about? Yes, great question. There's significant opportunity here. You think about two years ago, cash uh, investments or even short term U.S. government securities were paying less than half a percent, so it wasn't meaningful. Now, short term rates are between four and 5%, uh, that's, that's pretty significant. So quite a bit of opportunity here. In fact, I had a client uh, that has about two and a half million of working, cap, working capital at the bank. And we ran some historical data and, and we noticed that, hey, you, you 
usually always still have about a million dollars left in the bank. Even in down, down years, the lowest you get is to that million dollars in the bank and then you rebound. So we worked with them to basically take a million out of that two and a half million of working capital and put it into U.S. Treasury securities. And now they're basically getting, they're going to earn about $40,000 in income this year that can help help offset other expenses that have gone up or even cover a salary of, to some extent. So definitely a lot of opportunity uh, with short-term rates to, to invest that cash, uh, especially if you're, you're not planning to use it in the next six months uh, and, and you have just the ability to be flexible there. And then if you do invest it and it turns out, hey, something came up, a recession hits or something like that, you can pull that money out. Like it, we're, we're buying U.S. government securities. These are the most liquid securities in the world. So if we needed to, we could sell them same day and within a couple of days, have that cash transferred to your bank. So it's pretty quick to get access, but you're gaining access to a lot of uh, new investment income, essentially. And this can be for restricted funds. It could be for non-restricted funds. There are some... Uh, I guess, um, restrictions around things, but we can, we can work with clients to figure out what is the best opportunity for that cash. Uh, what is the optimal amount? How do we get it invested? How do we get it back to you in a timely manner? And how do we get you more income overall? Uh, again, just using that $1 million of cash example, that's about 40 grand in income that they can, they can achieve. So imagine if you have 10 million, that's $400,000 of additional income that you can help offset other costs that are out there. That's a real good point, Paul, because a lot of the times, you know, in my travels, when I talk with clients is that there's always just kind of a little bit of a hesitancy to maneuver federal funding, you know, uh, to, to yield a certain, you know, return on them. But, you know, there's definitely that ability, you know, as you talked about, you mentioned like restricted cash and non-restricted cash, you know, um, uh, you know, some of the some of the discussions it has like oh we, we we have to keep it in a checking account you know and and so that's uh, most part most times it's not the case you know you can actually earn interest on it for now obviously get a quick uh you know just uh caveat it, it all depends on your award but for the most part most federal funds allow you to do that so that's that's a yeah. good thing and especially ARPA funding you can use that for whatever you need it to exactly and one advantage uh, of the ARPA funds is that any income you get off of that does not have to be used towards the ARPA, uh, I guess, uh, specifically for the ARPA, I guess, designation. It can be used to offset other other expenses for the government. So certainly an opportunity to, if you have that ARPA cash, you haven't invested, it's a good opportunity to get, get some income um, and again, use that to offset other expenses that are unrelated to ARPA. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, <clears throat> so you know, obviously we're talking about interest rates and that's a big thing and we know that it's going up. So I always like to think about, you know, just accounting as, as a, you know, it's just an equation, right? Assets equal liability plus equity, if you will. So from an asset standpoint, that's what we're talking about with respect to cash. You know, you have cash and you get a certain return on it because investment investment rates are going up. So you get a return, a higher return. Now we go to the other side. What are you know some of your thoughts on tribes should consider when actually having to uh, pull debt to fund projects or to make purchases? What what things maybe should they you know obviously they're thinking about is you know the the interest rates and whatnot. So just kind of get your thoughts on that a little bit. Like what would be 
you know, some some things to think about when when making those type of you know like capital purchases and such. Yeah, great question. Uh, obviously, with rates where they're at now, that's creating higher cost of debt essentially now now for for anybody. Tribes are included there too. So my my plan or my recommendation was probably try to get a floating rate loan right now. You don't want to lock in these higher rates uh, because most likely rates are going to fall again. In fact, the Federal Reserve is anticipating a slowdown in the economy the second half of the year. And most likely recessions do pull down interest rates. So as they're trying to spur up the economy again, they're going to drop interest rates. So having a having a floating rate loan, so to speak, you're going to have lower rates. And then at that point, try to figure out a way to refinance. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, those are those are some of the uh, you know just things we think about. Is like, okay, well, we get asked questions. You, know, you guys, you guys are around this all the time. You know, what should we do? We're, we're thinking of purchasing some equipment. Is there anything you can recommend? You know, for the most part, you know, just with my training, as you know, just being a from the audit insurance, you know, perspective, you know, I really don't have that specific. Um, recommendation to give, but, you know, there's are, those are some things to consider when they're making those type of purchases, you know, or else even maybe just defer it until, like you said, they get more of a handle on when, what the interest rates are going to be, you know, moving forward, just giving everything that's, you know, happening in the markets more recently. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the other thing that's, you know, coming up a lot now is with more recently, the the bank failures, right? Yeah. And so that's been a big thing. And um, there is the the concept of FDIC insurance. So I was wondering if you could maybe provide a little bit of background on what that is, because sometimes you know when we are uh, presenting to specific boards or you know councils and whatnot, um, we there's a a financial required financial footnote disclosure that's in the back right and it it breaks out basically this concept and a lot of the time you know we get questions on what it is and whatnot so maybe you can just provide the listeners a little bit of uh an insight on what that is so that they have a better understanding of what fdi insurance is and what can they do to mitigate some of that risk yeah another good question so what, what you're really speaking to is a custodial credit risk that comes on the audit report and has to be disclosed and so forth. And, and that's a big risk because we've seen three major banks fail in the last couple months here. And if you have deposits in there, fortunately, this time around, some of those, most of those deposits got protected by the government. But, but if things get worse, that's not going to be the case. So basically, there's a, an insurance out there for a bank account that basically will give you $250,000 <clears> excuse me, of uh, uh, protection. So let's say you have a million dollars in your bank account uh, and the bank goes under, you're going to be off $750,000. You're only going to have $250,000 left in there. So banks should definitely, I mean, excuse me, tribes should definitely monitor those deposits uh, they will get some protection, but not much. Um, and then again, to to your point, it's a required disclosure that you you want to you want to get it addressed. So some some ways to get around that, or at least how to protect against that, not really not really get around it, but to protect against it, is to consider collateralizing your deposits. So basically, you'll just go to the bank, uh, let them know, hey, how how do you collateralize, or can you collateralize my deposits over two hundred fifty thousand? So going back to that case where you have a million dollars at the bank. You tell the bank, hey, I want to collateralize $750,000 of my 
deposits that I have with you. How do I do that? And there's usually two ways they go about that. They usually will give you letters of credit, or in many cases, they'll go and they'll buy U.S. government securities to offset that, uh, uh, to basically say, all right, you are secured up to that million dollars. You have the 250000 of the FDIC insurance. Then you have the other 750000 backed by U.S. government securities. Another way, which I think is a better way, is to move move that difference to uh, a brokerage account and buy those U.S. government securities yourself. When you do that, you can get income where you leave it at the bank. The bank's going to get that income and they're just going to securitize your uh, account. So just using that same case, if you have a 750 grand and you move that to uh, a brokerage account, we help you determine that, that uh, income that you can get from that. But that could be about 30 grand in income that that you weren't really expecting. And you're protecting your assets because they are going to be backed by the U.S. government because you are buying U.S. government securities overall. So I definitely recommend you, you look at the cash at the bank. There's a lot of risk out there. In fact, Jamie Dimon just came out quoting. He, he's the uh, J.P. Morgan CEO that the bank uh, issues are going to get worse. So. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but he's, he's a big banker. He's one of the biggest banks in the world. So he, he will know what risk is out there. So it's always good to protect your, your assets, the tribe's assets. You want to make sure that you have as much protection as you can. And that one is outside of the FDIC insurance. What do you have for your options? And it's collateralizing that or moving it to uh, another brokerage account where we can help you decide on, on how to secure secure it with U.S. government securities and, and get income. Yeah, that's a good point. When I'm out and about in the work and doing whatnot and clients ask, okay, I see that I have this much uncollateralized, you know, how, what's the most common thing you've seen, you know, and, and, you know, for the most part, I, I've generally seen is just, you know, hey, uh, think about purchasing, you know, securities and whatnot through whatever bank you have. But the other part of it is, like you said, you know, you know, we has, as RDW have that op- that line offering as well, but it's probably a little better because you know you can manage it and then earn income off of it and so forth. So that's that's good to know. It's good good to know out there whoever's listening to that is that something that that we offer, you know, and whatnot. And then you know, just just lastly, you know, Paul is just um, want to talk about just the market volatility that's going on. You know, we experienced that here in 2022 and then 23, you know, we're coming close to halfway point here. If I were to, so just see, if you will, a mix of investments for a a tribal organization, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see money market accounts with some treasuries, some bonds, just based on what, what we're seeing and we anticipate the last half of 2023 to look like. Is there anything maybe that you can not necessarily recommend, but what would be a good investment mix, right, for for a tribe to have, if you will, that might make sense? If they are, let's just say, less intense on construction or something like that, or, you know, maybe even the opposite. I just kind of want to throw a couple of scenarios out there. Just, just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. In general, it all comes down to the asset allocation, and that can be a mixture of the three different investments you mentioned, like how much do we have in money market? That's typically the most liquid asset you can get in and get out without really having to uh, buy and sell, sell anything there. Then you could buy the U S government securities, and then you can buy bonds as well, depending on, on, on the restrictions uh, for, for, for those monies. 
but when you build out that asset allocation, it's not, it, that's one level of it. The other level is going to be the term structure. So when I say term structure is like, how long do you want to go out to buy a bond or a U.S. government security, whatever it may be. And depending on that cash need, we can develop a portfolio around that. Uh, so what we've been doing for clients now is we'll kind of have like a barbell approach, we call it, where we have a chunk in money market type investments uh, that's yielding 4% now, really good. But once the Fed starts to reduce rates at some point, that yield's going to go down pretty quick. Uh, and then another chunk on the other end of the barbell is going to be two to five year government securities. Uh, and you can get anywhere between three and a half and four and a half percent on those. It is a little bit lower than the, than the money market, but keep in mind you are locking in those longer term rates. Um, despite the Fed raising rates the past actually a year and a half, they have come to a point where they're expected to slow that down. So they may or may not raise rates again. It all depends on inflation, but they are expecting that slowdown later this year. So if they're expecting the slowdown, that's in some sense of recession, at some point they're going to reduce rates. Um, so if you have most of your money in, in the uh, money market or the very short-term securities, your yield is going to go from the four and a half percent now to depending on how fast they drop rates. If they drop it down to 2%, you're going to have 2% at that time. So that's why we're doing that barbell approach where we have some longer term, uh, two to five years, not very long term. There, there's some risk there, uh, but at least locking in some higher rates for longer. Um, and at that point, you have just more, I guess, flexibility with that income that you have, uh, but also access to the funds. So you have the money market portion or the or the two to five year U.S. government securities portion. That's definitely never really sometimes think about that, but that's, that's a good point. Moving forward, what would be some critical things to think about, especially if you are just really kind of just sitting on more, more cash, not really doing much with it, taking into account the possibility of recession and whatnot. And so I just kind of want to get to your, your final thoughts for, for listeners today. I would say if you have cash, do something with it. Um, if you're not buying U.S. government securities, buy some money market, buy something if you think about it, inflation's trailing at 5% now. If you're not doing anything with that cash, you're basically losing 5%. So why not get something for that? Why not invest it and get in, get something from U.S. government securities? And, and maybe you get that 5% back, but that would be classified differently. You have more opportunity in some cases to, to use that cash elsewhere that you get from that income. But just be aware that inflation's still there, although it is slowing down. Uh, it's still at 5%. So if you're just sitting on cash, you're, you're losing your purchasing power. So at least try to maintain that by investing and getting some income. I like how you brought up purchasing power because obviously that income does help when having to make those higher dollar purchases for equipment and whatnot that probably yeah. are you know, increasing in price anyway. So that's that's pretty good. Paul, I know that you have a lot going on and uh, you know, I want to just say, you know, first and foremost, thank you for joining us today. And I really hope that this is going to be informative to all the listeners. Please reach out to Paul and his team. Any questions you have, feel free. They can give you some opportunity to listen to what you got going on and provide some good advice for you moving forward. So we definitely appreciate it. Got it. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We hope this time has benefited you. For more information or to connect, please visit redw.com.